Matthew, the 16th chapter. This is where we want to start because the series for the month of October is Church Reset. Say that with me, Church Reset. Last week we talked about, well, we asked the question, why the church? And today I just want to take the why off and call it the church. I want to just talk about the church. Say that with me, the church. Church. The church has been hit uh, from just about every angle in this dispensation, in this time that we're in. There's been a whole lot of downplay when it comes to church. Who would have predicted for the last two years we would be reimagining how to do church? In the past, you know, I've actually enjoyed thinking about or through the potential impact of unforeseen events that could uh, ultimately affect the church. But in all my contingency plans, Pandemic was not a word that landed on my strategic list. In the last 24 months have been a strange time, personally and in the life of the church. In early March 2020, the nation began to feel the grip of pandemic, of a pandemic that has not been witnessed since the early 1900s. The COVID-19 shall shut down uh, many uh, churches across our nation, especially in the hard-hit areas like New York and New Jersey, uh, Arizona, California, um, Texas, Florida. These were places where they were hit uh, very, very hard. And even here in the state of Georgia, we have, have been faced with challenges. Certainly not as severe as other parts of the nation. Uh, our governor, the governor had mandated our churches move to no more than 10 in attendance uh, months back. You remember we was reorganizing and juggling and choosing who we were going to have at the church and the governor said 10, you know, no more than 10 and many churches opt to have outside worship uh, on Sundays and many are still having outside worship. Have you noticed that? And so the governor eventually allowed 30 church attended and it went on up and he moved to phase two and opened the churches and businesses to the maximum of 50 and uh, currently our churches are free to open to full attendance with the proper physical distancing. I think, you know, yeah, I think it's still like six feet. Some went to four and, and what have you. And over the past 20 months, I've had much time to contemplate and wrestle with the importance of the church. And so I pray you have taken time to think about our worship and this building that we uh, fondly refer to as the church house that has been 
an active part of this city and community for 29 years. And over the past several months, we have learned so much about what it means to be a church and how many ways there are to be a church without gathering in person or making full use of our churches and our buildings and our schools. And even as we do these things, we yearn for the time when we will be back together in full capacity where we don't have to you know, take temperatures and spray the building down with this uh, this this high price solution and spray it down when you leave and all those kinds of things. And you also got to wear a mask. And some of you got the uh, the fresh air thing around your neck. I know some of y'all wonder why they got that thing that that block with that that white thing. That's called fresh air. It it, it goes out to uh, three to six feet where it really cleans the air around you. You've seen all those kinds of things. And so, but even though we have all those things going on, I was, <laughs> I was telling my son, uh, uh, Jerry, I say, listen, I am so tired of these masks. We're going to have a mask burning ceremony. <laughs> and he's like, oh, dad, pick me. I'll be anointed to do that service. I said, you called just to do the mask. He said, I'm so sick of these masks. I would be the one to be the one to officiate the mass burning ceremony. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, although we have been open, the life of the church and back to our accustomed weekly schedule, we still miss a large portion of our membership. Uh, some are our season, uh, 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 season uh, saints, uh, season ones that, you know, they can't, and those with medical conditions and those that uh, just don't feel it's right for them to return as of yet, and we still have a portion of our membership absent, and we truly miss them. You know, we talk to them on the phone, you know, I call members and whatever like that. We truly miss our members being here in person. Amen. And so the pandemic crisis has drawn the curtain on many things the world and the church have taken for granted for a long time. Not to admit such, but may look like denying the truth. And so, after all, not, not, not saying that the coronavirus has affected the church may be a misnomer because the most important thing the church needs now is a reset after many years of drifting from the truth of its origin and destination, we need a reset. So it is important that we do not return with the thought or idea of business as usual or pick up where we left off. If we have spent time with the Lord during this ongoing pandemic, there are some lessons we should have learned. And many of which I have been preaching and teaching about for the past few months. Some churches and denominations have been adversely affected more than others. Every church had to pray 
or to prayerfully consider what they were capable of doing in response to this public health crisis and make the right decisions for their congregation and for their community. Countless churches around the country have moved to online-only events. Others have uh, explored alternative ways to meet with those who are able. And some churches close down entirely. Digital tools and challenge channels that, that were once considered optional uh, are rapidly becoming essential. There are people now that were not doing any of this stuff online and Facebook and all of those types of things and Zoom and everything else. Now it has become essential. It is likely just about every church in the U.S. has moved to some form of online environment. And the situation originally looked bleak after uh, until after we uh, stepped back and began to see the hand of God move. Because uh, initially, it was a fearful thing. But then God stepped in and we had to shake ourselves. And we say, hey, it may not go anywhere fast, but we'll learn how to live through it. Hallelujah. There are some things in life you got to learn how to live through. In some cases, you got to learn how to live with. In some cases, you're going to learn how to make it through until it's done and it's over. But God will give us the strength and the stamina and the wherewithal and the know-how how to come through this test or this trial of this pandemic crisis so that we may have a testimony when it's all said and done. Are y'all hearing me this morning? So the situation made public bleak at first because there was a little bit of fear there. But God said, wait, didn't I promise to be with you? <laughs> and so this season has led into an unprecedented push to the modernize uh, the way we do church. And the decisions we make right now could lead our congregation to reimagine what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And so you and I have had much time to think about the church. As I'm sure that you have, all of you have thought for a moment, where are we going as a church? And so nowadays, it may not exactly, uh, uh, exactly serve the truth to say seven, listen at this, seven out of ten believers may not really know what the church is. And why the Lord formed the church in the first place. And so this is enough proof that there is a necessity to re-instruct the, the true believers of the true meaning of the church. And since the majority has lost the real meaning of what it means to be counted as a living church that is in uh, conformity to the standard truth of the New Testament, it was Jesus himself who proclaimed in Matthew 16 and 18. That's where I told you to go. Look what he says. said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, what? Prevail against it. 
So whatever else we may know about Christians, we know this. Christians are supposed to go to church. Amen? Be quiet for a moment. Listen to me. Christians are supposed to go to church. Just like surgeons are supposed to go to the operating room. Just like teachers are supposed to go to the classroom. Just like judges are supposed to go to the courtroom. Right? And so every Sunday, Christians gather together to worship God and spend time in fellowship. That's what we do. But do we actually know why we do this? Do we pause to consider the purpose of the local church? So the necessity of discovering the truth of the invisible, the heavenly, and the universal church cannot be overemphasized. This may be difficult to some extent to digest as one of the fruits of the pandemic crisis as the pandemic crisis of today has introduced a twist so humbling and climatic on the church worldwide. And so therefore, there is a need for a stock taking of what has gone wrong among the churches that have brought us down to this level and the believers worldwide. Prior to the pandemic, there has been a 20-year decline in church attendance and increasing uh, proportion of Americans who, with, who, who are with no religious preference at all. Young adults have rejected a religious identity or affiliation. They're making up their own stuff now. Large denominations are losing ground to new non-denominational church plants in line with that, many local churches, uh, uh, many local churches have started to question their core beliefs, their core practice, uh, their core activities according to the standards of the word of God. And so with the aim of destroying every root of superiority and individualistic standalone concept that men have put up to separate the body of Christ. The scale is finally coming down on the existence of the man-made doctrines that call for the doctrinal separation of believers along doctrine lines and all such that denies the headship of Christ. What am I saying? Well, in a nutshell, it's time to put up a shut up. As many as one in five churches could permanently close as a result of shutdown stemming from the coronavirus pandemic. The pandemic just revealed the crisis facing many local uh, small and large congregations that have been there for years and should have been addressed years ago. There was a trend that was coming down, uh, not, not, not just now, but it has been trending down years from, to at least 20 years ago. It, it started trimming and fading down. Because when we came along, it was not an option to go to church. 
We could be outside playing football or whatever. And, and them guys say, uh-oh, your mom and daddy coming to the door. Say, man, I got to go, man. I got to go to church. Man, we were just about to score a touchdown. I'm sorry, man, I got to go. I got to go. See, it wasn't an option for us to go to church. We were told that we needed to serve God. And if you didn't like that, we were made to serve God. Cause it kept, there's some things you need to be made to do. Because if you're not made to do it and create a habit in doing it, guess what? You're not going to do it. And so that's why we got a fear of God. That's why we, uh, you know, you train up a child the way it should go when it's over and not depart from. He, we, we find ourselves coming back to the church. Watch me now. You can't come back to something you ain't never been in. If you don't make them come to church and they ain't never been to church, you can't come back to something you ain't never been in. Man, we used to be talking all under our breath and everything else. Shoot, dog, I can't wait to get out of this house. I'm sick of this and I'm sick of that. And they say, hey, what you say? Nothing. You be talking all that junk, but you don't let them, you, huh? huh? You ain't going to let them hear what you saying. Hallelujah. I mean, my daughter sent me something with the little fella was talking about the TikTok and talking about how he took it $25. He said, what you doing in here? I got, he had a belt in his hand. said, uh-huh, uh-huh. You should have been in that TikTok. While you TikToking, you should have been there doing your homework. Now get off this TikTok. Just embarrassed him. Get off this TikTok. Uh-huh, I got your TikTok right here. My tick and top. Get in there and do your homework. You got to cut that out while they're young. I know my grandson used to praise God all the time, all the time. Now he around here walk, walk around with that little headset, got that little thing in front. I said, oh, no, he ain't taking that in church. He's not taking that in church. No, 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 no. See, you, t you, you, you telling him that what he's listening to and looking at is more important than God. Now, if you can't sit in here and listen to the word, you go back there in children's church and let them teach you something. But either way, you're going to get some God in you. And I don't care how you got your lips, you know, lip poked out. You can walk on it for carpet. I don't care how you look or whatever like that. Hallelujah. We're going to fix that face. Hallelujah. I told him, keep that face just like that. I'm going to go get me some dough and make me some gorilla cookies because that's what you're looking like right now. Huh? One day I called and said, but did you listen to what your mama said? You're hard-headed self. He said, I'm not hard-headed. I'm not hard-headed, I'm not hard-headed. I said, yes, you are. He was saying about that thing. He didn't want to have a hard head. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's how some of you saints are. You're just hard-headed. God, I'm not hard-headed. He said, yes, you are. Can't get nothing through that head. Hallelujah. 
And, and you know, our, our parents come up, they just, they didn't care. They just, listen, you better had you some self-esteem or some kind of esteem. Because they didn't care. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my, you know, some of our parents should have been to the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist. They should have been sitting on somebody's stove. They should, man, the folks, they were long. They, they wasn't dealing with the, they wasn't tight. <laughs> Hallelujah. They just anything. They just, I can't get nothing through your thick skull. Your skull thick. They just didn't care how they talked. And then they'll tell you stuff like, well, I'm just keeping you out of jail. See, me and your mom, we ain't never went to jail. Now, you just get the devil in you and you think you're going to go. I ain't coming to get you. That's what they told us. Right? We're not, and they meant it, too. I ain't got no money. <laughs> you know, I used to love to see how my daddy dealt with people. You know what I'm saying? Because when they, you know, because. He ain't like me, you know. I'm kind of soft-hearted. You know, people ask for stuff, and I try to find out a way to get it or whatever like that. And then they come around. I say, hey, preacher, how you doing? He said, hey, how you doing? He said, you know, I, I got um, a little or something, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm between, you know, a paycheck or whatever like that, and I, I need a little something. He said, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but uh, you got to understand it. We don't have a program like that. And you know, I, I used to watch him and see how he always get out of stuff when people come and try to ask him for something. He'll say, he always say, well, I'm sorry, we don't have a program like that. What do you say after that when they say, we don't have a program like that? <laughs> Our church don't have a program like that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, I tell you, you can learn something for the, from the people who have been there. You understand? And so many issues facing churches today should have analyzed and addressed their decline and, their, and, and implemented a plan years ago before we got to this place where we are in this pandemic. And I'm not suggesting that these churches should suffer and close or should no longer be a church if that were the case. But some should have had something in place where when things do happen that we don't waver or we don't just die in the process. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? Because if that were the case, the Galatian church that practiced circumcision should not be a church in any sense. And also the Corinthian church. Y'all know the Corinthian church. Uh, they spoke in tongues. Uh, they, he didn't really rebuke them for that. But he said, now nah, y'all doing that, but you still got division. You got heresy. And you should be, you should, uh, you know, you should be denied fellowship with the other churches. Because y'all got division. Y'all got heresy going on in this church. So that means that they wouldn't have qualified. And the Thessalonian church that was caught up in the web of wrong doctrine concerning the second coming of Christ should be taken off the list too. And even then perhaps Apostle John should 
not have fellowship with, you know, Diotrephalus, uh, 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 mentioned in the third epistles of, of, of John. See, everybody has something going on that may perhaps disqualify us if you look at it in its totality. But what you got to understand is there's no such thing as a perfect church. Because the church is not the building, the church is the people. And we know we're not perfect. Y'all should have count better than that. Y'all know we're not perfect. But we serve a perfect God. In accordance with that, believers are realizing it as time uh, do away with the church's cultural habits and traditions that opposes changes in our churches in line with the truth. The majority of believers are beginning to take a second look at the doctrine that they have been taught by the church about what a church really stands for. Resulting in so many turning to studies of theology in the desire to improve on what they have received. Now we understand that theology is the study of God. Say that with me, the study of God. Now all these months of the pandemic should have challenged us spiritually. Many Christians have not been simply staying home twiddling their thumbs. Many Christians have spent this time thinking more deeply about their salvation and what that means. Study of theology is a wonderful starting point. But however, the study of theology is a good starting point in the training of believers to search the scriptures while to question every doctrine often by the church. In the long run, it helps believers to grow spiritually to the end of, of, of arriving at a workable theological conclusion in all the matters of concern. Doctrine should not divide the church. What am I saying? How you really believe about baptism and what you believe about, you know, this, that should not cause the church to be divided. Doctrine should not cause us to not fellowship with others. We got, right here in America, we got churches that are close, proximity close to each other, and we never speak to each other, we never talk to each other, we never have anything to do with each other. Do you think that that is godly? We will drive all the way to Atlanta, but won't go around the corner because of a doctrinal difference. The study of theology is fashioned to help believers stay alert and thoughtful about every teaching they heard. It enables the church to proclaim the old truths afresh and new in every generation. In no other arena is this imperative that than in the doctrine of the church called ecclesiology. Ecclesiology means the study of the church. Ecclesi 
uh, ecclesia or the uh, uh, ecclesia, ecclesia, you can say it either way, is a proper Greek word that means church in English. The Greek word ecclesia means the gathering of the called out or the assembly of the called out ones. Hence the church, the ecclesia, is the gathering of all people who God has called out of the world. We are the ecclesia. We are the church. We've been called out of the world. We live in this world, but we should not be of this world. We should be of Christ. In other words, Christ's life. In other words, attempting to live like Christ. We should think like Christ. We should act like Christ. We should do what Christ do. We should be Christians. You should do enough to be guilty of being a Christian. So if somebody pointed their finger at you, there she is, there he is, they are Christians. And you raise your hand, guilty as charged. But anytime you go somewhere, oh, I didn't know you were no Christian. You didn't like, like it, you don't look like it, you don't talk like it. <laughs> and walk like a duck, talk like a duck. Walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian. <laughs> and today people have many strange ideas, concepts of what the church is and what it should be. So the question then is, what is the church according to the Bible? Is the church a building where believers meet or the church meets in a building? Is the church an organization, or is the church a living organism? I submit to you that we're a living organism. The church is alive. God forbid this church burn down tomorrow, but the, this building burn down tomorrow, but the church will be still here. Because you are the church. You are the called out one. You are the chosen one that God called you to be. You are the ecclesia. And thank God he called us out just in time. Because you know as well as I do, a lot of us was a mess in a mess. And look around, some of them still in a mess. But God still loved you enough to call you out. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome that God waits for you? All that mess you're doing and all that crookedness you're doing and all that stuff you're talking about, God's got enough patience to wait on you. He didn't destroy you when you messed up the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. He didn't destroy you while you were playing church. You were in church, doing your dirt in church, doing your dirt in church, doing your dirt in church. God still loved you still. still calls you out. So I know what you're doing, but come on out. Hallelujah. And watch this. If you can call yourself out, I was finna say something. I believe I'll go ahead and say it because I feel it anyway. If he can call your stank self out, 
Mm, you smelled yourself. You were stinking. But God cleaned you up. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. No, why he say that? That is that is not godly. That is uncouth. That is not right. That is not intelligent for he to call people stinking. No, no, no. God says that when he gets you right, you will send up praises like incense that would be sweet to his nostrils. So he wants you to send something up sweet. You can't send up something up sweet when you got all this sin operating in you. So when God cleans you up, he smells something sweet. You give him a sweet praise. Hallelujah. God said, give me something to smell. Something good to smell. Hallelujah. Oh God, I love you in this place. And so there are some of the questions that we should wrestle with during this season of reflection. The church is a place where God calls out, collects, Join those people together in a proper and a harmonious way for his purpose and good pleasure. And so the church is not a physical building. It's a people called out by God. And besides, it is a living organism that has life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I have life because I've been called out. I have eternal life because of what Jesus has done. And after we get life, he's growing up to reach the, the, the status of the fullness of Christ. But the church can only grow when believers are connected or joined with the head. And you know who the head is, Jesus Christ. And, and, and no other. You've got to join yourself to him in order to grow up. When you're in the world, you're still dealing with child, childish issues. You still got childish ways when you operating in the world's way. It's not until you start following the head and being connected to Christ that you begin to grow up and begin to mature and begin to get better at life. Some of you didn't even start learning how to budget until you came to Christ. You spent everything that came through your hands before you came to Christ. You thought that money was for you to just spit it and have fun, never save nothing, spend everything. Well, you can't spend everything and you can't save everything, but it, it taught you how to balance life out. I'm telling you, he said he'll beautify the meat with salvation. I'm telling you, some of you look the best in your life. You never looked so good in your life until you got saved because when you was in the world, your eyes were always bloodshot. You had black lips. You had black gums. You did, my God, you were looking sad, bad, and ugly at the same time. But God came in and made you look better. I don't know who I'm talking to in here, but he knows how to clean you up. You look better than you ever have in your entire life. Hallelujah. Taking care of your body better. Hallelujah. Amen. Investing in yourself a little bit better. Talking with sense more. 
uh -huh, esteeming others higher than yourself because when you was in the world it was all about you baby but no it's not about me it's about other folk because when I pray for other folk then God will turn things around for me come here Job and testify it turned around for Job when he started praying for his friend not because he was all well my God his body was raked with sores and everything no it's when you are in trouble and when you're going through that you will pray for somebody else then God will look at your case and begin to turn things around for you you cannot just always think about me 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 you've got to look on the things of others and God will turn things around in your life hallelujah this is not the time this is not the season for you to think about just yourself it's time for you to think about other folk. Are y'all hearing me? We would never have to go to the divorce court. Listen to me real good. We would never have to go to the counselor or go to a psychiatrist or go to jail for fighting if we would esteem others higher than ourselves. We would say, hey, I push you up. And then the other one would say, I push you up. I tell my wife, I push you up. My wife said, no, I push you up. If we will esteem each other higher than ourselves, we won't have the trouble we got going on around here. But no, it's about me, 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 me. You got to get this selfish spirit out of you. You got to start thinking about somebody else other than yourself. Hallelujah. You, listen. Jesus was a selfish, selfish, selfless, selfless, selfless Savior. Not selfish. But selfless. He forgot about himself. Caused himself to go to a cross. And he said, I, nobody can take my life. I know you can't. Because I am the one that gave you life. You can't take something from me what I gave you. breath in your body in the beginning was God in the, and the word was God the word with God uh, and the word put on flesh so Jesus said I'm the one from the beginning that gave you life but I love you so much until I'm willing to die for you My dad assigned me, gave me the assignment, told me to do that. If he wanted to do it another way, he would assign that. But he assigned me to die. He assigned me to die for the church. Hint, hint. He assigned me to die for the church. That was my assignment. Brethren. 
Husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Your assignment is to die for her. So if you die to yourself, you'll always push her up. And so she's so thankful and she's so amazed at your giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. You so love your wife that you give. And so she's so amazed at your giving, she can't help but respond to your giving. Some of y'all didn't get that. No, you think you should take from her. Take that from her. Give me this thing, woman. Give me this. No, you get more by giving than taking. See, because when you take, that's the end of it. But when you give, the implications are that you're sowing and you're planting. So when you sow and you plant, you get more. The reproduction uh, is greater than what you sowed and what you plant. So what you give her, you can't even see the fast of what's coming back at you. You can't see what that girl is capable of because the Bible says she is to help me and I created and I give her a calling that she's going to respond greater than what you gave her. I don't know if y'all ready for this. And so the church is not a physical building. The church is a living organism. The church is involved in a continuous process of transformation in the conformity with true changes to reach the full nature of the Son of God. That's Jesus Christ. And therefore, the visible church does not enjoy the immutable nature of God as the invisible church since changes are going on simultaneously in it has in time past. So we truly love Christ. Shouldn't we want to be committed to what he is committed to? If he's, if his majority commitment, a major commitment until he comes again is to be building his church, should we want to uh, be used by him in his work that will never if we deeply love Christ, we cannot be indifferent to his body, which is inseparable, joined to him. If we say we love Christ, how can we not love what he loves? Ephesians 5 says, it was the church in particular that Christ loved and gave himself up for her. He even nursed and cherished the church. His highest affection and attention is poured into the church. And some of you might be skeptical, cynical, uh, critical about the church because of past experience or because of how someone in some church treated you. But we know that it is not the attitude of Christ. That because somebody treated you some kind of way, you don't just say, I denounce all churches. 
Then it comes somebody, you know, did you wrong, borrowed some money and didn't pay you back or whatever. I'm never going to any church ever again. Oh, no, 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 no. That's just not. Listen, the church is made up of imperfect people. And you're going to run across somebody that's going to do something negative to you. Are you following me? It was while we were yet enemies and yet sinners that he died for us, his church. And he knows the church is not perfect and that does not cause him to abandon the church. It causes him to commit himself to help the church to be all it is intended to be. Ephesians 3 and 21. I'm getting there now. Unto him be, be glory in the church. Where? In the church. The guy got the song say, I'm saved in the church. I was, I was, you know, all that stuff, yeah. In the church, right? Y'all know that song. Said by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So, it you know, one pastor was discussing how churches are driven by a lot of things other than their biblical purpose. What are they driven by? These things right here. They're driven by their past, right? Tradition, no change. We've always done it this way. That's how some people are driven by their past, and that's why they don't go anywhere. Some people are driven by personality, pastor or influential person that dominate. Well, you know, if pastor ain't there, then we ain't going to have no church. They're driven by personality. Well, so-and-so ain't there, we ain't going to be able to have no good song singing. Some people are driven by pockets, money, payments, finances, uh, you know, uh, budget, meetings, and all that kind of stuff. Some people are, uh, you know, they are driven by politics. Or social agendas or, or, or things that churches focus on. No, 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 no. Our purpose is not just about politics. Some people are driven by the seat they sit in. Well, you know, that's my seat. If we lift that seat up and look up under it, your name ain't on that seat. First person to get here sit there on that seat. Years ago, it was pews. I'm leaving the church. I'm taking the first three pews because I paid for them. Some churches are driven by pagans. What do unbelievers want church to be like? Let's have a survey of them. You know, we can't be sitting here saying, well, what the world want? We want to bring the world in, but we got to be like the world a little bit so we, that we can adjust and have them to come to church. No, if you don't want the Bible like it's written, we ain't adding nothing to it. We add nothing to the Bible. Because we add something. Anybody read in the Revelation? If we add in here, the plagues in this Bible going to be added to our lives. And if we take anything out, our name will be taken out and not mentioned in the end. I want him to look in that book and say, hey, Harvey, come on up here now. I need my name written in the Lamb Book of Life. <laughs> Amen. How many of you believe your name going to be there? I know mine. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Some, some, some churches are driven by programs. They, you know, uh, you know, what's the latest, the greatest, and this and that. And that and we just got to keep up. We, can, we, we in competition and this and that. And that. Well, you know, Pastor, that church around there, they doing this here. We ain't got that. And that church around here, they doing this. Well, you know, wait a minute. That may not be our assignment. Every church got an assignment. It don't mean that because we don't do that, that we don't, that's not our, that we don't do that. But amen? We used to have a food bank. We don't have it anymore, but we pay uh, the other church that got a, a, a food bank. We help them. We, we send money to them. 
But we used to have one here at church. But that, that don't mean that we don't want to feed nobody. That's just not our assignment. Amen. Uh, Pastor John Thomas got a homeless shelter. We don't have a homeless shelter. That's not our assignment. We got a school, and a lot of other churches don't have a school. That ain't their assignment. That's our assignment. You got to know what your assignment is. Are you following me? So according to one survey, uh, when asked, why does the church exist? 89% of the church goers said that the church's purpose is to take care of my family and my family needs and my needs. 89%. Only 11% said that the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. So most folk, they come to church so that the church can give them something. And they want us to be a, yeah, a welfare church, a user-friendly church. They want to be a church. They only join the church to see what the church can give them. Who was the president that said, don't ask for, you know, what your country can do for you, but you ask what you can do for your country? Was that Kennedy? Uh-huh. That, yeah, yeah. Kennedy said that. Yeah, don't, don't ask what your church can do for you. You ask what you can do for your church. When you come in here, you need to start saying, hey, where, where can I work? What is it for me to do? You know, and you may be on a fixed income. You may not can walk very well. You may not can do stand long or whatever, but there's something you can do. If you don't do that, but pass out the fans at the church, yeah, that's something. Amen. Say, Pastor, I can't do too much, but at the church, I just go through and see if there's any objects around the church, and I pick it up, and then I go on, on to the house. I'm going to help the, you know, the people out that clean up every, you know, week. I help them out by getting the big objects. They can come along and they can, you know, vacuum up everything, clean everything up. And that's going to just be my assignment while I'm here. You all, whatever you find your hands to do. And so the Bible does not leave us uninformed when it comes to the purpose of the church centrality of the local church. The local church exists for God and for his glory. Did you know that? I believe it was Charles Bridges said that the church is the minor or the mirror, excuse me, that reflects the whole, uh, uh, whole of the divine character. It is the grand scheme in which the perfection of Jehovah are displayed in the universe. And so when we uh, understand the local church existence by God and for God, we see that ultimately we see that God's glory, not the needs of, of the saved or the unsaved people, is meant to be the ultimate determining factor for all the church or for all the church does. So the church does emphasize reaching the soul. The church does emphasize edifying the saved. But it does so in a way that are uh, honoring God to honor God uh, in consistent with his will. It ensures that both the method and the message uh, of the church brings glory to his name. So the local church exists to glorify God through the worshiping of him. That's why we come to church. That's why the local church begins to exist because we come to glorify God and worship him. We gather together to worship God in the ways that he has revealed in the Bible. This distinctly Christian worship is not based on the whim of believers or unbelievers but carefully drawn from the center uh, centered upon the Bible. And so we can uh, define the, the summarize the basics of Christian worship in the simplest 
turn. That's all it is. It's just simple. When we come to worship, what do we do? Number one, we read the Bible. When we come to worship, what do we do? We preach the Bible. When we come to worship, what do we do? We sing the Bible. What do we do when we come to church? We see the Bible. You should have your word whenever uh -huh, we gather together as a church. And so our worship services are, are a means of grace through which God speaks to us and transforms us by his word. And we all come here so that we can be transformed by his word. A pandemic of, the, of this magnitude is an opportunity to ask ourselves, what is the true function of the church community? Does a community function just uh, to meet together? Or does it function to serve one another, to put one another first? If our community is based solely on seeing one another weekly, that more of a, uh, more of a meet-up group than a community, there is an opportunity and an invitation for growth into a more dynamic, loving group of people who share one another burden financially and emotionally and who are willing to disrupt their own uh, uh, routines and make sacrifice to prioritize the health of someone else. This is what we call, ladies and gentlemen, real church. Say that with me, real church. Yes, that's what we want. We want to have real church and who will fight for one another in both the short and long term. When we shift into this perspective of community, not only are we mutually nourished by both giving and receiving support, uh, but uh, we are uh, the tight grip on, on the routine begins to loosen in favor of sacrifice of one another. Our priorities shift when we begin to look on things of others. Our priorities shift when we start thinking about people going to hell and being lost. Our priorities shift when we look at how many people being lost during this pandemic season, but we got enough down in us to say, hey, do they know Jesus before they leave out of here? You got to have a purpose that, hey, we want everybody say before they check out in this place. Can you say amen? And so my God, uh, in a pandemic, this priority shift is uh, extremely important. Now, COVID-19 forces the church to push back against uh, the narrative of the individualism and remember that we all depend on each other. In the face of this church, churches can mobilize to meet both the physical and the emotional needs of their congregants and their communities as well as to practice uh, the perspective of putting the most marginalized, uh, vulnerable people at the center of decision making. Now, it's not all about us. God wants to bless us enough till we get the spillover. Now, God is a God of the more than enough. When we get more than enough, we can look around and see who else needs something that we already have. If you already have food to eat, you look around and see somebody else that needs some food to eat so that God can bless their life as well. What you're telling them that I serve a God, that I got a daddy that will take care of me and you at the same time. Uh, uh, there's no shortage of money on the earth. It's just in the wrong hands. Uh, God need to get the stuff in your hand so that you can bless somebody. I don't hear nobody in here. So hey, can bless somebody else. Can you say amen? Y'all gonna help me bring this thing on home? And so this pandemic will reveal who we really are. Now, prayerfully, it will reveal that we are loved.
love. Oh, yes, I believe because God is love that we are to love as well. Now, can you say amen? How many of you have learned here in these latter years that you have to love more than you ever loved before? And that you're going to need love yourself. Can you say amen? I am so glad that God saved me just in time because ain't no telling where I would have been during this pandemic if I did not know God. I might have been in a bar somewhere. I might have been at a club somewhere. Uh-huh, wall to wall and we just jumping and ooh, ooh and rocking and my God, uh, uh, yes, praising and in a different way and dancing all night long and bringing the swoop top down and shaking our bodies down to the ground. But I'm here to tell you that God had me at the right place at the right time when the pandemic hit. I was in the right, my right mind. I had the mind of Christ. And I was, my God, connected to the church. Will you look down your row and ask him, do you have the right connection? to have the right connection when it comes to tragedy. You got to have the right hookup when it comes to tragedy. You got to be with the right people when it comes to tragedy. Because all of us, my God, tragedy is going to come knocking at our door one day. And you're going to need some folk that know how to pray you up out of that thing. I'm glad I got friends and got people who know how to get God's attention. Who know how to bombard heaven on my behalf. I want to know, do you have those kind of people in your circle? Uh, do you have those kind of people in your life that know how to grip the horns of the altar uh, and cry loud and spare not? Uh, that know how to lift their voice like a trumpet? Uh, my God, uh, my, I thank God for the people that surround me. Uh, and so because God is love, uh, no sir, love is not love, uh, but God is love. Uh, can you say amen? Uh, and so all these th other things the church has uh, 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 erroneously focused its attention on. Uh, you don't have to have this. Uh, you don't have to have that. You are not changing with the times. Uh, Revelation 2 and 4 said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou have left thy first love. It's time for the church to get back to its first love. It's time for the church. The church must be about love and service. Say that with me. I'm coming on home now. Say that with me. Love and service. Look at somebody and say, do you have love and service? See, everything else is just icing on the cake because the church is the place where the holy God meet with sinners washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you what happens when a sinner meets with the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm glad one day that my life met the blood of Jesus. Let me ask you the question. Are you glad that your life met the blood of Jesus? Would you look down your road and say, I'm glad that my life met the blood of Jesus. And when my life met the blood of Jesus, it changed my life. It turned my life around, and I'm a new person now. I got a new lease on life. Can you say amen?
Amen. Uh, and so God brought the blood and the sinner together. Uh, and it's in the fellowship of a perfect God uh, with a perfect nature, with the people imperfect that with a dual nature. Uh, and so the duality of believers is expressed uh, in the natural and the spiritual dimension uh, of all of the believers. Uh, and so church must be about the love of God. Uh, uh, the church is called the house of God. Uh, the home of the family of God. Uh, comprising of all the fellowship citizens. Uh, the fellow citizens of heaven, the heavenly kingdom of God. Uh, and I'm glad that I'm in the kingdom of God. Uh, belonging to the house of God is a family affair. Uh, would you look at somebody and say, it's a family affair. Uh, oh yes it is. Uh, it's a family affair. Uh, it is the relationship of being in God's family. Uh, and thank God for the church. Uh, thank God that they made me go to church. Uh, I can't give up uh, on a whole lot of things. Uh, I can give up on a whole lot of things uh, during this pandemic. Uh, but I'll never give up on the church. Uh, can you say amen? Uh, I may have gave up some sweets. Uh, I may have gave up a little salt. Uh, I may have gave up a little pork. Uh, I may have gave up a little seafood. Uh, I may have gave up a little watching television. Uh, but I never, uh, I never, uh, Give up on the church. Can you say amen? It was the church that was praying for me when I was out there acting foolish. It was the church that kept me going when I started to give up, when I started to throw in the towel. It was the church that kept me sane. It was the church that kept me out of trouble. How many of you know you was out? You kept out of trouble. Because you were in the church. Had you not been in the church, you would have been in trouble. Wave your hand at me if you would have been in trouble. If it had not been for the church. And I'm glad to say to y'all, I'm glad to give you the telegram that it was the church that saved me just in time. It was the church that taught me how to live right. It was the church that taught me how to treat my wife. It was the church that taught me how to take care of my body. But the Bible says that the exercise profited little, but it does profit. So I can exercise. That was the church that taught me that. It was the word of God that taught me how to pray. That I can pray my way. I can pray my way out of this thing. Can you say amen? You gotta learn, you gotta learn, you gotta learn, 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 that when somebody else won't pray for you, you gotta learn how to pray for yourself, when somebody won't shake your hand, you gotta learn how to shake your own hand, when somebody don't pat you on the back, you gotta learn how to pat yourself on the back, when somebody don't encourage you, you gotta encourage yourself in the Lord, that I will, can you say amen? Look at somebody uh, and tell them, say, you got to encourage yourself. Tell them, say, in the days to come, uh, when nobody else will encourage you, encourage yourself. Uh, because God uh, 
He promised that he will be with you even until the end of the age. How many of y'all have lived that? How many of y'all are living that? That God is always there. He's always there. He promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Can you say amen? Even when you're in trouble, he promised to be right there. Even if you're on the operating table, he said, I'll be right there. Even at you at your dining table, he promised to be right there. He's there all the time. Can you say amen? He's ubiquitous. He can be everywhere at the same time. Can you say amen? He's omnipresent. He's omnivisual. He can see everything. He's got x-ray eyes. He can see in the dark. He can see the evil and the good. You cannot run. Because if you run, God is already there. If you run over here, he's already there. If you go this way, he's already there. There's nowhere you can go that God is not there. Can you say amen? He's Jehovah Shama. I am there. He's Jehovah Shama. I am here. Can you say amen? When you need God, he says, 